Hi, and welcome once again to What's the Damage, companion show to the incredibly well-known and popular real play D&D show, Roll for Damage, now a publicly traded company, buy our stock. Um, <laughs> we had a relatively laid back episode on Friday after their ordeal with the weird uh, flying things that busted up Perry. They took advantage of a quiet night in order to get to know each other a little better. Um, for varying degrees of sweet and awkward, depending on who was doing it. Um, they then ventured into the heart of the mountain in search of valuable ore. They found some evidence that others had come in before them and possibly cleared out the whole mine. Um, then they came across a very temptingly barricaded door. What terrors and treasures await them further inside the mine? We can only speculate, and we'll be starting that speculation right now on what's the damage here again, just like every Tuesday. Um, as always, stick around at this stream for links and resources. I'm your host, Truth Benson, and this is What's the Damage. Welcome back. Joining me today, got three, three lovely guests. We've got Serenity, our favorite DM, back once again. She's here every week, but we can only sometimes see her face. Um, <laughs> that's the secret of this show. And we got Jay, who plays the wonderful Campion, everyone's favorite little artificer. <laughs> and we've got Jake, who plays Oriana, everyone's favorite little bard. Now with a new sugar daddy. Oh, okay, okay, come on, come on. Man. Sorry, sugar grandpa. Um, anyway, hi guys. You had um a less dire episode than usual. What's the damage? Well, who's going first? <laughs> I'm the DM, so I don't talk about this stuff. It's <laughs> already fine. No damage. Her. All right, I'll I'll go first. I guess. Um. Well, I guess a lot of uh, sit around and wait uh, occasionally in there. That's that's that was interesting. <laughs> Making decisions and then just kind of not going through. <laughs> hey, we found a door. Should we open it? Uh, hey, we found a rope. Should we cross it? Yeah, let's try and cross it. Okay, let's not try and cross it. <laughs> Jay, can you speak to that? 
I mean, the door would have been easier, but they didn't want to listen to Campion. And, uh, you know, like, oh, yeah, let's go back to this. And I'm like, okay, whatever, man. And then it's like, oh, hey, hey, we found a, found a rope, man. We found a across the thing. Yo, let's figure this out, man. Campion's like, yeah, I want a hey. Campion just wants this whore, bro. Okay? He wants to upgrade Greybone. Okay? He wants to get rich, man. It's the dwarf in him. Okay? He, he likes... He likes crafting things, and he enjoys gold, okay? Because it funds his, his scientific endeavors, you know? But more more, more everything, more interesting things, man. Get, Campion wants to get involved, man. But it's like, you know, it's it's just in the reach. And then, they, they, then, then like, Serenity with her, with her things is like, hey, science. <laughs> I <know>? mean... <laughs> You first of Jay, all, play, you Jay plays a scientist, Mass. and then he's like, and then he just wants to subvert everything science. So he like, as, so it's like, as long as science works for him, it's okay. But if it has to work for anything else, like the actual world and like gravity and air pressure and friction and things like that, oh no, no, it, that's unfair. Meanwhile, the science teacher over here oh. is literally biting just, his like, tongue screaming. to the point of like. Hey, you, cho you chose to be a be a musician with a with a thing for books, okay? You could easily been like, hey, I, I I do music on the side, but you know what? I'm 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 making little machine things. You could have easily done that, okay? Just saying. Yeah, you should have predicted this character, Jake, when you were first making Oriana. I should have. I, I really should have predicted the it's really second on you. character, yeah. Jake. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? Awesome. My insanity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just gotta, like, get into Jay's mind. Like, just get in those vibes. Be like, what crazy thing is he gonna come up with next? Please close little pop-up window. I don't want to refresh right now. Okay. Um... <laughs> Cool. So I was actually I was gonna get into this later, um, but since you guys brought it up, I think you spent like an hour in game talking about opening a door. What happened? Oh. You're D and D man. They, they yeah, D and D. They want to make a big noise. Oh, what, what's what's behind this door? What made the barricade? What could be behind it? And I'm like, adventure. Okay, let's let's do things. Okay, let's let's go in there. <laughs> And let's figure it out. But, you know, speculations goes both ways. Okay, it could be bad, could be good. Okay, you know. Be both. I'm ch I was channeling my inner Boltaine, bro. You know, I was trying to, you know, me and Khalil, we're trying to get things done, but we just kept getting sidelined, man. You know. I thought that one of you was gonna like leap off the chasm and just like, well, <laughs> jump to the other side. Yeah, feather fall and see how far. Yeah. It no, if you jump and like do levitate halfway over, like he'll go zoom <coughs> all the way. No, you wouldn't. Wouldn't no. you? No, no. Air, air, I, I, I explained this. Air pressure. air pressure would stop you. It's 350 feet. Even if you took oh, a running it's not jump. A vacuum. Okay. And yeah, it's not a vacuum. So you would eventually slow and be stuck over the top of the thing, just oh, waiting yeah. for your levitation. You and then you just fall. Um, which uh, is why it would have worked. Down 20 feet. It, yeah, it would have exactly really would have worked for them to pull themselves along the rope with levitate and then mm -hmm. use that. But then uh, if you read the spell, when you're doing That's that and that. using something, you move at like half speed. So you'd be yeah. moving at like so 20, 20 feet way. around. So it would take feet. a they would get there, or sorry, they'd move at 30 feet around using their dash yeah. or their action exactly. and their move. Um so they would get there. But like just as the spell ended, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because ten, and then that's if nothing goes wrong. 
it's a very tight window. Yeah. I should I should I should have got the spider but clone. That was something, the... man. You know, just uh, just the wrong spell prep. You know, <laughs> you know. Levitate has been very versatile for me. I've been using the, you know, I'm a survivor. So I'm like, always gotta have Levitate in my back pocket, man, you know? Just <laughs> feel, the instant sniper tower. Exactly. I feel, yeah. I feel naked, you know, without it, you know? But, you know, I, I gotta yeah, start I diversifying the, profile, the spell portfolio. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oriana uh, was a bit of a naysayer, I'll admit, during all of this. I mean, having just come back from death and seen what's waiting for us on the other yeah, side. Yeah, man, you got, you got scary. Little, you know? little risk averse right now. Just, you know, just she, a little. She, she got real. She got real. Uh, we're, you know, <laughs> okay. trying, you know, this is how it is. Ooh. And a <laughs> strange piling of objects in a door-like corridor seems kind of odd. Hmm. But everybody sure. knows the CR, the CR one hundred monster, the door. Not the door. Right. Look, the, the door's power. The door does psychic damage because it makes you think about it. It does real world like, psychic damage. That's the best. Psychic damage. That's how it gets you. Um, cool beans. Okay, so backtracking a little bit to before you got inside the mountain, mm. when you guys were all resting up trying to recover from that um from the fight that almost took perry right after losing oriana very dramatic mm-hmm. um so first off the revelation of Greybone being i think it's quinn put a frankenweenie exactly yes yes speak to that i'm so oh, interested now yeah or, you okay yeah you know Greybone, I mean... not your dog I mean, yeah, but it, it was, well, well, it was, Quinn, I didn't tell Quinn, I told Baltaim, but yeah. But, um, no way, Chad put it that way. Yeah, One Chad, of those people. Yeah. yeah like, you you're, you're interchangeable. Um, yeah, man, it's just how it is, you know, you know, it's just part of, uh, you know, you know, giving the audience a little bit of what, what made Campion, what's going on in Campion's mind, man, you know, we're, we're getting, you know, pieces, you know, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excited. I can't wait till you meet his parents. It's gonna be a shit show. Uh, I'm gonna love it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I'm sure Serenity has something planned for that. Maybe. Uh, yeah. She does. Yeah. Maybe. Depends. They're uh, the they're they're in a much different area of the exactly. world that uh, Jay yeah. put them. So it's dependent on how where this group travels and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. They're in they're in fantasy Florida right now. Yeah, they're in they're in Wynon, So yeah, yeah. I. I'm legitimately curious whose family we're going to meet first, honestly. Mm. I, I have a strong suspicion probably I know Oriana's. who it is. Yeah, probably, probably Oriana's, just yeah. because I mean, that's well, I mean, we already thing. saw Quinn's family. Um, yeah, Besides sister. Oh, his sister, that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but not his, not his mom. Right? Well, yeah, she's, she's, his, yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. in hell. They're all dead. <laughs> They're all dead. dead. Getting chewed on by... They're all dead. Their souls are... Yeah. To thunder. It's stuck right now. Yeah. I mean, but nonetheless, you know, yeah, you know, that cherry's already pretty much popped. But yeah, the the, the next one is, I'm pretty sure, is Oriana. So, yeah. Awesome. I mean, we are going to Depends on where you guys go. Room. We'll just skirt around River End. <laughs> no, we want to meet Moria's mom. She seems cool. Um, yeah, so I think Campaign was very cute at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> We got a lot of really cute campaign moments, especially with like his little book of friendship theories. 
Um, is that really like Campion's dream to be famous and have friends? That's really sweet. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, Campion's dream is, is to overall, you know, you know everything and probably not die a mm-hmm. very painful death. But, uh, but yeah, no, no, no. You know, one of, one of the, you know, pillars of him, you know, kind of, one of the driving forces of him wanting to know knowledge is to kind of, you know, put it out there so then people would be like, oh, hey, this Campion guy seems like a really cool dude, you know, I want to be his friend, you know, let's, let's figure this guy out, man, you know, I, I'm reading this book, he's very knowledgeable, I want to know this guy, and that's just his logic is, you know, being the best in something is always going to kind of draw people to you, he's kind of, he kind of really kind of saw it when he was traveling with his father, you know, when he was doing his business, and saw that, you know, kind of those interactions is what um, you kind of strive for since, like, you know, he's a sickly kid, you know, and I imagine, like, you know, you know, you're a sick kid, you don't really have opportunities to, to, you know, play with other kids your age, because, you know, you're kind of, like, the weak link, you're like, oh, I don't want to play with the sick kid, you know, he's, like, he's gonna, gonna you know, not be able to kick the ball right, <laughs> take last hobbly... and fancy dodgeball, exactly, with this hobbly leg, you know, he can't do all the hobbly cool leg, things. yeah, exactly, baby champion, <laughs> With his hobbly leg. Exactly. Yeah. Adorable. Um, so what is it like, Hampian, then to have like human companionship now currently? Is it weird? Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. since like several people have sort of sat Campion down and been like, hey, we're friends. Yeah, Just, you, know, you know, you're aware this is friendship happening. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's something new, man. Because usually, you know, he's he's only really had his parents and like mm-hmm. Greybone and he talking to himself a lot. Now he, he talks to people, um, which is, you know, very different because now he has, you know, other voices inputting onto his thought structure. Usually it just, you know, be him, you know, internal back and forth and be like, okay, cool, yeah, yeah, that's going to function, you know, especially um, how Campion, like, like with the decisions he wanted to make and then now mm-hmm. having people being like, I don't think we should do that. And again, it's like, oh, this isn't fun, you know, this is how friends are, I'm like, oh, God, adventure was cool, you know, what's going on with this, <laughs> you know, um, but, an yeah, opportunity it's, for peer review for Campion, exactly. it's always, it's a, it's a learning curve, especially for him, <laughs> um, so yeah, awesome, okay, so, Oriana, well, do we oh, have to? Ori, Ori, you voluntarily came on this show today. I was like, in the Discord, I was like, who's available? And you were like, it's me. I'm always available. Always happy to be on the show. For the show, Jake. Um, awesome. So first off, stuff with the water. How does Oriana feel knowing that Quinn used that water to bring her back when it was very different last time this was an option yeah it's it's a whole bag of emotions for her um she had a feeling that the water would have saved dobby um so at the same time it's a little bit of a frustration that we could have saved him survivor was possible but it's also if we had used it on him, would I have been able to have been revived at all? So would you have died? Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Or would I have even Everything died? Or would yeah. Dobby have gotten eaten by another worm? <laughs> um, so it, it's a whole bag of emotions just on that fact, just the fact that it worked. And then the fact that Quinn used it for her. Um, even though she knows that, you know, he's kind of dual natured at the moment, in a way, for lack of a better term. Uh, it means a lot to her that he values her enough to use something that precious mm-hmm. because he could have just said no. He could have just held on to it. She knows that that's not what he's trying to be anymore, but it still means something that he did. Um, so she's very appreciative to him and she knows he'll never accept, you know, I owe you as, as, as just a, a fact of life. But for her, she is, you know, above and beyond going to be there for him. He has saved her life in her eyes twice. Once before stream and now during stream. So. So Oriana seems to hold Quinn in a certain amount of esteem. I always feel like their relationship's kind of hard to define. Like how does Oriana feel about him in general? And has that changed after the Here Lies Oriana She Sure Was a Twit speech? I think when they first met, she may have felt a little more attracted to him. But mm-hmm. as she's kind of gotten to know him and as they've kind of just picked at each other like a brother and sister almost that's kind of what she sees it as she sees it as two very close friends who may who yes may have not known each other for long but have been through a lot in a short amount of time and are just bound together because of that um i don't think she would ever be into quinn um just because of how stubborn he is <laughs> that's the one trait she doesn't really like about Quinn um or yeah wants to be the most stubborn one <laughs> kind of actually yeah. yeah you can only have one <laughs> yeah yeah two stubborn people unstoppable force immovable object <laughs> like that door yeah like that door yeah <laughs> <laughs> wonderful Okay, so let's talk about the thing with Asmodea a little bit. Let's touch on that. Let's explore that a little bit. So what did Oriana do exactly? What did she mean to do? And why did she do it? Well, I guess it all goes back to her last words. Um, she legitimately meant that if Asmodeus in some way contributed to saving her, she would be willing to follow his path wherever it leads. And to the best of her ability would try and accomplish what Lex had said she had seen before, the redemption of a God. Not necessarily that she knows there need, you know, that there is a redemption possible, but she wants to be true to her word while simultaneously still meeting her original life goal, which is to create a story worthy of the greatest libraries, worthy of being told. Um, so for her, 
when you know the inky blackness is all around her and it's all she can see and he's there first thing oriana of course always does ask a ton of questions <laughs> um and when it felt like things were not going to end well for her and he said he would help her he she took his hand reached out for him was this like an any port in the storm type of thing or was it pure desperation or curiosity partially or what was it i don't it doesn't feel like it was any port in a storm it feels it definitely felt more like a curiosity like a why Mm. why are you showing interest in me like this is weird to her. She two gods have now talked to her directly. At least she thinks to. I don't know. Maybe Serenity's been playing the long game and it's been him all along. <laughs> but um, no, she she definitely finds it interesting that he reached out to her. This was not a her reaching out to him kind of thing. This was not, you know, uh, oh I removed the holy artifact and now I'm being talked to by Asmodeus. So she's a little bit curious about it, and. She was, like I said, she was hesitant at first about this whole, well, why would I go with this guy? He's got this legacy. He's got this sort of demeanor that people view him as. And then that one phrase from Lex, the redemption of a god. She's curious, and that would be a good story. So I I think what would have been an interesting thing to see her go through is if both Ayun and Asmodeus were there. And I'm not entirely sure Ayun necessarily wasn't there, but Oriana also didn't call out to her, and I think that says a lot about Oriana's decision. Well, had Ayun been rather silent recently towards Oriana? Yes, but that was... Oriana saw it as a test, because Ayun specifically you know, it, it mentioned that the, I don't give you direction. You walk your own path. You follow my path if you choose, but it is your choice to make. And I think Oriana Ori- definitely took that as a, I need to do my own research. I need to figure out more about IU and, and what she stands for and do this. And before she really got a chance to do any of that, then Asmodeus comes in and tells her about this other choice. And she wasn't interested in that until, you know, the whole story thing. Until she was. That's how it yeah. works. Um, was Oriana raised religious? Because she does seem to put a lot of value in what God she follows and, and how. I never intended for her to have a very religious upbringing. Uh, in, in my head, uh, her mom and her dad are not overly religious, but maybe Serenity's going to do something interesting with that. But it was never like a cornerstone of her education it was just something she kind of read about you know so one day in the library she reads that Ayun is associated with knowledge and libraries and she loves books she loves stories she wants to make her own story hey there's a god of books essentially so it's less of a a a mechanical or not not mechanical it's less of a she understands the mechanics of religion and is more of Mm -hmm. like a celebrity, I guess, in a way to her. 
was fun. Cool. Um, Sereni, so something I'm curious about, are all the characters going to get their own god plots? Because like everything we find out about the pantheon you, you've adapted for your campaign, like makes it seem like there's this huge like story there that's very complicated and it has lots of different moving parts. Are they all connected to it? I mean, I mean, not necessarily. Uh, it's really based on player. It's all based on player choices and action. Um, I, there was an initial, like when the initial group went to like Avonhurst, there was always meant to be that initial interaction. And this idea of like the duality of an inherent, the inherent duality of everyone's nature. No one is inherently good or evil. Um, at certain points in your life, you may lean in one direction or another or have to make choices um, that push you in one direction or another. Um, and that that was that's kind of a theme that I like to play with um, in in sort of the, the stories that I tell, uh, because I hate the idea of just like pure black and white, like there's no one's ever purely black or white. Um, uh, and so um, I wanted that to be a part of it. But after that, it was more based on player choice and where they went and everything like that. So what you see with Quinn is happening because he decided to play, like Chad decided to play this cleric who's clueless about everything. And he's literally played that and made that excuse his entire journey. Well, I don't, I mean, I was given this and like, I don't know anything about it and has made no efforts to learn. And so at one point he's given, he's just rushed ahead to everything. And then, you know, there was always this duality of you're being watched. Like you like there, you don't have the, this power is yours for a reason. Um, and it can be taken away. Uh, and so that was pl played um, because I saw the way that he was playing the character and it was just, I'm just going to steamroll. And I was like, okay, you can do that, but know that there are consequences for, for, for making that choice. And do you want to live with those? Are you okay with those? Um, and Oriana uh, is very similarly, she's constantly been reaching out to Ayun, um, and, and the, even the way like Jake admitted it here was, she very, very much fangirls Ayun. And it's, and it's, yes. Ayun's not there. That's not her purpose. Like, that's not her, like the whole reason she came to Oriana and said, you, you have to make the right decisions. You can't run from things. You have to, if you really want to follow my tenets, then follow my tenets. Um, like, don't just assume that the first thing someone tells you is the truth. Do, do your research. Like, that's what you're, you, you pride yourself on. How come you're not doing that? Um, and then when she was kind of having her uh, her uh, sort of waiver of faith um, after they had caused what happened in the bazaar, um, that was a time where Asmodeus could come in and be like, you're kind of already walking a different path than that. You've always been doing it. You're welcome to continue and I can show you the way and I can make you stronger and I can make you go in that direction uh and and her constantly calling out and being like you know someone help me was him being like okay like let's see where you go but then at the same token you know she writes oh well tell me what i need to do and both of their answers have been 
you need to walk the path. You can't ask for someone to give you all the answers that you want. Like we're not here to just hold your hand and babysit you through life. Um, you were given free will and choice for a reason. Show us what choices you make and then we'll step in to help guide you along the, the direction you choose. Um, and so that's why those two characters have had so much um, sort of interaction. But there may be with other uh, characters potentially and dependent on where the group goes and, and what they do. Um, there is sort of like, there is going to be probably interactions with many different with, with many different powerful entities, um, whether they are tied to a specific player or character or whether they are just part of the overarching entire campaign, uh, that's up to the group and how they sort of tell their story and how they weave their story into the one that I'm creating with this world. Exciting. Okay, awesome. Um, moving on past all the talking to a bit of more talking. So, yeah, more talking. Um, <laughs> so caves and fungus, fungus and caves. Um, how were you guys feeling kind of as you were initially venturing into the mountain? Confident, wary, tired from all the stuff that happened coming up the mountain? Well, I feel since, you know, 50% of uh, the party was in uh, Serenity's other game. Well, well, more than 50% the party was in, was in Serenity's other game. They're, they were very, um, what's the word, butt-clenched. Yeah, I like that. I like that one. Um, they didn't want to do anything. Man, they were scared. And I was mean. And both of them were like, huh? And then Cynic was like, you know? <laughs> You know, he was kind of like the old, the old uncle you kind of, kind of bring along because you need a chaperone. And he's like, yeah, he's getting he, drunk in the background. Exactly, he's just, he's just drinking on his secret flask. Just, just let me know what we're doing. Yeah, and then, and then the rest of us were just like, hey, let's do this, and then like, should we? And it's like, yo, man, and you know, I mean, how how it is, we kind of, you know, the, the party, we're, we're trying to streamline it and move quicker with the, the whole voting thing. Because yeah, we need to start doing that a lot more. Because we're spending like a whole like hour, two almost two hours on this. Do it. It's it's, it's great for me. I can just sit there and like listen and not yeah, have Serene, to think. like gets out her just switch. Watch just, the like, dumpster fire. I love it. So warm. Yes, yes, my little friends. <laughs> what I um, what I honestly love is at one point we did just do the vote, and Oriana was really the only dissenting vote. Mm -hmm. And you guys went through with the plan, and as soon as it reached any sort of friction, half of the group was just like, no, 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 hold up, hold up, backpedal, backpedal. <laughs> I changed yeah. my vote. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So for context for the um, for the viewers in Serenity's other game that we all played in, we got stuck in a cave for two weeks in-game. Yeah, they went um, for the Underdark, uh, yeah. and it's very winding, and I, that one, Real okay, so, so let me, let me give you some insight into that one. That one, I had planned out an entire map of this place, and I had everything plotted out, and the party literally went every wrong direction before going the right one. So they hit, I Love think they, it. I think out of, like, the 13 or 14 things I had planned in the Underdark, they missed one. 
literally one of those 14 things. Um, everything else they went through. And some of them got them to like loot, like I like items that were, were that were like hidden and stuff like that. But a lot of them were just like interesting encounters or cool. um or like like traps which they could potentially get out of, but sometimes not. Um or whatnot. Uh but yeah, they went in every wrong direction. This one, I literally had nothing planned. And so I was making it up as we were going and I was like, well, I want this to be sort of interesting. So I'm not going to have like it be as harrowing as it was going into the underdark, but I want like, I don't want them to just pick a direction and it automatically be the right one. And, and they get to the end and then they find the ore and all is good. And then out they go. I was like, no, let's like, let's have, these mountains are big. Uh, there's things living in them. There's like lots of creatures, not just giants and whatever. There's probably other things. So what would it be like down down here and, and what would be around and what what would be left behind? Um, and so I started making it up on the fly. Uh, and so the things that they ran into were just me like literally thinking on the spot. And I was like, oh, yeah, I want to have this here. So I know exactly what's behind those things. And now I've actually had time to further my notes and make a little bit of extra stuff uh, for fun. Um, but... Uh, yeah, that was all like made up on the spot. And I was like waiting to see which directions the group would go, if they would even choose to go in these directions. So, Cool. Yeah. So guys, was it like meta paranoia? Do you think? I want you to psychoanalyze yourselves for a second. Yeah, I can tell you immediately why Oriana was doing what she was doing. I just risk averse. She just came back from death. She doesn't want to tempt fate. She doesn't want to burn all of our our resources to get across mm -hmm. the first what she sees as potentially the first of many hurdles. So, yeah, I, that, that was it. I personally kind of think so, um, but then you also have to understand, like, yeah, Oriana was going through that. Perry, you know, she had a very close call, and Quinn, you know, he's the one that's like healing everybody, so he's trying to you know keep his shit together man um so yeah you could you could totally do that as the worriness the worriness is um something that uh is very warranted but you know in a sense where you know character wise like for you know in campion he was like oh let's hurry up and let's investigate and then the rest are just still trying to keep it you know consequences are real and uh, we're probably, you know, when they die, they're probably going to get tortured alive. So, yeah. You know? You know? <laughs> you know? Like you, you do. Know. Yeah. It happens. It happens. You know, sometimes that's just death. Cool beans. Okay, um, so we're moving on to our topic for today, which is, drumroll, metagaming. Yeah. Gotcha. So metagaming, what is it? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it completely unavoidable? Um, I think as with a lot of these topics, it'd be good to, to start by defining our terms. So what is metagaming? What do we mean when we say that? Um, I believe the classic definition is when characters act based on information they have mm -hmm. no way of knowing in character. But how would you all define it? Yeah, that's um, me. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, 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 you go. Sorry. I was going to say, yeah, to me, it's like breaking the fourth wall, right? Like, it's like, it's like watching a show and the actor 
talking to the camera as if they knew it was there and like telling you all of this stuff about the, the world that they wouldn't know because they've read the script and they know what the character's background is and stuff like that. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, I think that's what it is. It's basically breaking the fourth wall and using knowledge that you, for instance, many people have played D&D for 30 years, but if they're starting a new campaign at level one, they're probably not going to know what a beholder is probably never seen one their characters are just starting out on adventure maybe ha haplessly falling into it and and being caught in like a battle or something like that and then growing from there uh but the, for them to come into their first battle with beholder and be like oh i know exactly how these things work you got to watch out for the eye beams and like we got to try and like do this and we got to try and like stay out of the cone because because we know it's anti magic and uh all of our magic's going to fail that's metagaming you wouldn't know that as your character until you experience the effect and are like the fuck um so that's weird. yeah that's yeah how's that happening uh so that to me is is metagaming something i do think there is some metagame knowledge that you can use for instance if you have real life if you're like a scientist and you know how science works and your character is an uh artificer or a, a, a mage <laughs> that is very alchemical or something like that uh and you meta know like how to concoct something and you use that knowledge to do something really cool in the game i have no problem with that type of gaming because that's just cool but that's how yeah I to add on yeah to add on to serenity um i classify metagaming into passive and active um active metagaming is where the point where your characters haven't experienced those the knowledge that you have you know in the forefront of your mind with a interaction um with a creature or some kind of like if you're playing a module you know, so hand and so forth. That that, and then you use that to your advantage. Um, and then the passive meta knowledge is, as she was stating, was information that you would know out of character, and then would be to uh, an interaction with your characters trying to do. But your character overall has some form of experience going on into the active scenario. Um, that's that's also the part one of passive. But then there's also a part two of where I kind of have it to for like DMs is to the point where um, I have it. <laughs> Wait, I almost forgot. Yeah, uh, I, I have it to where uh, like with like especially with players too uh, is the kind of you know with with interactions you know between kind of players uh, and so where like there's there's conflict with the characters um, and so you know player wise you don't have the conflict with the player but you know character wise um you know i always say I always kind of have it where like yeah you know you need to have conflict you know it's just you know your characters are you know people but you know understand like you you know i have that kind of forethought in your mind where it's still a game so you still kind of have to have kind of things kind of mulligan certain things to kind of keep the game from going off the rails would you call that like would you call that a sort of game maintenance type of meta gaming yeah. that's still meta I, yeah. I, yeah I still have it like where it's it's still kind of overall it's it's within the whole passive my whole passive mm -hmm. definition it's because it's I kind of have it under an umbrella where it's it's something where it it doesn't overall I believe it doesn't overall break the game it keeps you know <laughs> you, you actively know it, it's still a game so you kind of take the steps to keep it going if you understand i, I think i'm losing people 
No, I get you. I get you. Okay. Okay, cool. Uh, For me, metagaming is like cholesterol. There's good metagaming and there's bad metagaming, just like there's good cholesterol and bad cholesterol. Um, Bad metagaming is like what what we're talking about, you know, using knowledge outside of your character's knowledge to benefit your character. I know how to fight a beholder at level one. Or, you know, oh, I know that trolls are weak to fire and things like that. That's bad metagaming. Good metagaming is things like we actually do it uh, a bit here. We talk in a private chat. We discuss, like, what spells everybody has prepped. And then in character, we will mention things like, well, I've got this kind of magic prepared or this kind of magic prepared, which by definition is taking information our characters wouldn't know. But we give a reason for it because it helps our characters better plan and coordinate and strategize in combat. Like, when you think about, or at least when I think about D&D, you're talking about characters who have known each other and lived with each other theoretically for months at a time. They would know how to fight with each other, you know, how to fight alongside each other, not with each other, but, you know, alongside each other and how to strategize. And, oh, I know that so-and-so has a spell that heals me, so I need to be within a certain feat. So a person calling out, well, hey, you're, you're about to move out of my range of my, uh, I don't know, Paladin Aura or something. That's a good, healthy reminder of things that our characters would know, but we as players might forget. Yeah, I I think of like doing the calling out during battle kind of like as being in a kitchen, like yelling behind with a knife, sort of just something to keep the combat going. Um, but I'll say personally, I've seen those um, side chats get very annoying <laughs> for me. We have a rule where we don't use it too much during game. We use it to discuss things between games usually so that we're not like all in the chat just mm-hmm. meta acknowledging each other. Um, yeah, early on they were in the chat a lot and I basically took them aside and I said I had it muted. I said you cannot if we were at a table together mm-hmm. in person, you would have no chat. You would be sitting at a table playing the game. You would not be playing on your phones. You would not be texting each other. You would be in the game. Because we're online, you have this extra avenue to, like, talk with one another. But it's, like, super uncool during a game to be, like, typing away and not paying attention to the game. And then it's like, it's your turn. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, really? Because you're too busy chatting with you know, Bill over there as to like why he just sentineled the last enemy and it took them out of your range and now you can't set up your spell. Like, no, like you guys have to like, this This is happening within seconds. Like sometimes things are not, you're not going to be able to chess out all your movements and know exactly where things are going to happen. But I've told them they can use it like any game. You know, if you're coming into a big battle, like when they... I, the week where the babies, uh, the 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 uh, mm-hmm. the, the uh, atropol, uh, um were there, uh, they uh, I was like, you guys should chat about this because this is going to be a hard one. So like, figure out what you want to do and how you're going to handle this situation before you come into the game. And then once you come in, it plays out how it plays out. Um, so I don't have a problem with that. But yeah, in in game because at a table when you're in person, you wouldn't have the opportunity to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Were you going to say something? Um, well, I mean, you, you have like a, like 
games sometimes where during combat you'll have people do like the little side conversations that are like you know a, just a couple of seconds back and forth of a you know a, oh I've got I've got this spell prepared I can heal the guy who just went down okay I'm not in range so that's good well, yeah, that's different that's different from the whole that's yeah, the, yeah that that's yeah. different from what our our group chat is because the yeah. group chat can be more of a distraction whereas you can you know whisper to the guy next to you oh dude i'm, I'm out of range or i'm out of spells can you can you heal him yeah I know, it's and, my, and, it's and my inclination to oh, do yeah. that stuff out loud at the table not to interrupt yeah, yeah. sorry yeah. no and then yeah serenity serenity is cool with that too it's like understand it's, it's quick conversations we can do that you know via video chat because we did that with the fucking uh uh fuck i forgot what the fuck creature's name is uh human face Reared by chimeras, chimeras, oh, boom. Oh, the manticores? Manticores. Yeah, oh my yeah. god, I'm such an idiot. Yeah, but we did that quick with the manticores, especially with when Perry was was getting flown off and shit. Yeah, you know, quick, concise. You know, be like, hey, you know, I I have my bonus. You know, stay within my thirty feet thing. You know, the quick reminders. She's fine with full on conversations, not because combat's especially happening in like you know quick seconds and shit. So yeah. You know? And it already takes like two hours to get through a combat. So like exactly. to then have to wait on exactly. someone for five yeah. minutes, is just frustrating. You know? So yeah, so she's comfortable with, with you know, quick reminders and shit, you know, in game while we're, while we're going with that. Yeah. Cool beans. Um, kind of on that point. So we all agree that there are, there's like good med, there's bad med, there's med that you kind of need to keep the game going. Um, but could you all like talk about a time that you as DMs or even as players have had trouble with metagame, like when it's kind of ruined the fun for you? Mm. Then we'll talk about some positive meta stuff. Um, I really can't really think of anything off the top of my head. Um, my thing is is meta. I guess there's like meta like rule rule lawyer shit that I had in, in a game one time. Where there was just this one dude constantly being like, "Hey, you know, this is going on here." You know, I mean, like, yeah, there's, there's, the, there's the reminders that you can, you know, re remind an individual. But understand, an individual knows their own character. Uh, don't tell an individual what type of, you know, spells they should use, or, or, or you could use the spell in this moment and kind of like assert it instead of being, being like, you know, you know, I guess like a friendly reminder there's there's the individual the rules lawyer that that also metagames that's assertive be like oh yeah the thing you do is stupid you should do this instead you know what i mean yep i get mm -hmm. it yeah that that's so basically telling you how to play your character to like min max your character but mm -hmm. you're trying to do something it's, cool in exactly. rp maybe or like yeah. just trying to it, it, trying it to set up some ruins. cool strategy or something like yeah. that you know because it, it ruins a character and then it also like the dm's like yo dude i'm right fucking here like, let the man do what the fuck he wants yeah. to do, you know? <laughs> exactly. But yeah. There, the the few times I can even recall ever having a, somebody who metagamed at the table were just, like, horrifying experiences that I honestly was just like, ah, no thanks, I don't think I'll be coming back. So it's hard to remember any specific example, but I do remember this one player i had in one of my first dm games uh he was playing homebrew race just for you know funsies i'm like okay yeah that's fine and then he started trying to go into uh, a multi-class of a barbarian uh monk and i'm like well that 
what do you why and he's like oh because i really want the rage damage and i'm like mm. but your character's not a barbarian at all you play him like a, a pure monk why would you go barbar well because i want the extra unarmored or something and i'm like but that's not what you that's that's not how that works like mm. He was using meta knowledge essentially to run his character and all that kind of stuff and make all of his character's decisions, which just in general made the entire table just kind of like a, why are you here? Go away. And I had several players actually approach me and say, hey, I'm going to duck out. I can't stand this guy anymore. He's just doing, we don't like this. And I ended up having to kick him from the group because I'm not losing my, all of my players so there's one person, yeah. yeah, you know, and and that's and that's the thing is like you know naturally when you're a player you, you, you know you want you want the best character, and uh, yeah no nah, dude when I was thinking about doing the my original multi class for for Dobby certainly was like yo that doesn't make any fucking sense I'm like oh that'd be cool though but then she's like no dude this is my game you don't you're not doing what, this shit. was it starting rogue going monk no yeah, no it was no. it wasn't it wasn't no, no, he... it, was, it was it was it was monk because i was gonna do kensei originally and then um i i, I understand I, I like the shadow better but like kensei i was like oh dude yeah dude i like, was kensei, fine with it no. i asked him why he put the crappy stat for his wisdom when he was a he chose monk first i was just very confused I was like and i even offered i said do you want to switch that and he said no i don't for rp purposes and i said okay that's no no no, no no but there's another interaction because i was gonna go kensei and then like because i didn't, didn't have a problem with kensei no but it didn't work with my backstory you're like okay if you're gonna do this it has to make sense and that's why i switched oh it. yeah yeah, it, yeah well yeah you wrote your backstory yeah. and i was like mm, yeah yeah I mean, but that's yeah. more of that's less of me being like, uh, no, you can't play this, and more of like, well, based on what you're writing here. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm fucking up. I'm fucking. Up. <laughs> yeah, because I don't remember like physically saying like, no, you can't do this, Jay. I don't think I've ever yeah. told you no to any of your crazy, no, wacky no. ideas. Okay. Yeah, I'm fucking. I'm fucking up. Don't listen to Jay. Jay's fucking up. So, somehow we always come back to Jay making a monk who dumped wisdom. I love it. Best game. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and, and and also Very like, much. and the funniest thing was he played that character as like as a rogue. He, he as oh, a rogue. I think that was the other thing. You took like yeah. scimitars, which aren't even monk weapons, so you didn't yeah, get the no, full damage. No, on. no, yeah, no, I, I fucking. And I, that was I, why I was so confused. I was like, why wouldn't you just take rogue first? Um, and yeah. Jay does weird things. Is that what yeah, I'm, I'm Very interesting, thing, dude. But I think I think for me, um, uh, there's been a couple of times, um, where uh, even with this group, sometimes. Character, so I like to not go into whispers because I like characters to be able to experience, I like the players to be able to experience the story as if they were also part of the audience. However, I do not like a character having a dream and then at the table, everyone's like, can I insight check? They seem weird. And I'm like, how the fuck would you know that they just had a bad dream? Exactly. Like, and what it would be about. And and sometimes they do it to try and get the meta knowledge of like, okay, we want it, we want them to tell us like that they just had a conversation with Asmodeus or they just talked to Bane. And it's like, you, how the fuck would you know that? You know, like there there are times where sometimes the players will will try weird things or like I remember like when Jay was doing stuff with Dobby, he'd be like, I'm gonna try and sleight of hand this, and then the rest of the group would be like. Oh, well, we're gonna like stare at him, and I was like, "Well, you don't even know what he's doing." Why? Like, you know, so like there are certain things where, like, as a as a player, you have to be like, 
like Ugh. in a real situation, would you care about this thing? Like, honestly, and if it is part of their character, I will allow it. But there are a few times where I've said like, no, you wouldn't know this. Sorry. You're not getting a check for that. You know? Um, and that's one of the like meta things that I, I am very harsh on because, because I want to be able to tell the story and I want everyone to be able to experience it. And I don't want to hide that from my players and have them have to go back and watch an episode to like figure out what, what just happened. And so I started that with whispers at the beginning, but now I kind of just do it, uh, with everyone uh, hearing it. Um, uh, but they have to understand that like, I'm giving that to them as a courtesy so that, that they can feel engrossed in the story just as much as anyone else but they also have to like internalize that and realize that they're not going to get that information unless either a player wants to give it or some crucial moment exposes it for some reason reveals it yeah okay cool um okay we've been shit talking metagaming all night so <laughs> let's <laughs> let's pivot a little bit defend metagaming to me tell me why it's sometimes necessary sometimes even good um personally i'd say personally i would like argue in favor of certain kinds of metagaming mm -hmm. which we've discussed a bit um because of the meta game like two words, the meta textual actual game of D&D, &D, which is in reality, a bunch of friends at a bunch of nerdy friends at a table, as our little tagline says, which is something you need to keep in mind in order to have a healthy campaign. So defend metagaming to me. Yeah, as I have said before, there's active, passive, passive metagaming is, is fine to a degree, and it depends on the situation. But then like, you know, there's, there's, there's an overall, you got to keep the end of the day gotta keep the game going gotta keep that game going okay so sometimes you just could be like oh, okay whatever fuck it you know in order to you know uh have the train chugging along um and then you know at the end of it then you you know you can talk to the dm or the player and then you know figure shit out but at the end of the day uh uh game should come first uh best defensive metagaming uh, we don't live our characters' lives. As, as much as we've created our characters, we don't live their lives. We don't experience life from their perspective. We don't have, as much as we are all friends at a table, we're probably not as close as an adventuring party would be when you really think about it. They live together on the road in, you know, dusty old inns, in the swamps, in the sewers, all over the place, they go together. Saving each other's they lives. Sh they, they are a part of each other's lives, and we are not, sadly, in this, you know, especially with uh, online D&D, but even even in face-to-face D&D, we, we aren't. We don't know other people's characters as well. So the meta-knowledge that comes from talking about what can your character do, what does your character have prepared, is just a great way to sort of help help achieve the sort of realism of what would our characters do in this situation and not what would the player say the character does in a way mm, I fucking hate metagaming Strange <laughs> <laughs> like thumbs down no just, good point I just hate metagaming I, I think like most of the again the, I, the only metagaming I will defend is if if you're like I, in real life, know how to mix two chemicals to create a reaction. I'm playing a wizard. 
I think with the 20 intelligence, they would also have that knowledge. I'm going to use that in this situation to do something really cool. Um, and I'm, I, I'm going to talk to DM and be like, Hey, can my care, can my, can my character mix X and Y together to cause this to like explode and blind whatever the bad guy across the room. And so that we can like hide. Um, to me, that's like 100%. Mm-hmm. I am totally okay with that. Um, but other than that, everything that you want to learn about other people can be learned by having interactions <laughs> in game, just like in real life. You, if you want to know something about someone, ask them. Like, you know, like you can't physically know what person across the room is or who they are or anything about their life if you just stare at them and are like, okay. Insight like, check. Yeah, I insight check to see if they're weird. Um, or if they're... <laughs> I do a vibe check. Or if they're, yeah, are they vibing? Roll for like, vibes. I don't know. But like, like you, you talk to a person, you interact with them, that's how you get to know them. Um, and, and for me, like everything is, is story driven in, in my game. You're not going to learn something just by like, not, not trying or just being like, well, like my favorite is, is sometimes like they'll roll and they'll be like, well, would I have the history of this? I was like, have you ever asked about it or even tried to learn it? Probably not. No, you're not even going to make, even if you have a plus nine to your history roll, not going to make it. Um, I want, I want people to interact with one another. I want to see the character interactions like we had last game where people are talking to one another about their problems mm-hmm. and becoming better friends. Yes, you've been traveling for months together, but a lot of it, you guys don't interact with one another. You go to bed, you get up for the next adventure, and in-game, where the time has been going on, you haven't been, t- like, you haven't talked. So would you know these things about one another? There are still par- parts of each character that are very closed off to other people and are only now starting, they're starting to open up to one another. And I want that to be in game. But you can't be like, oh, well, we would know this about Sinric. Well, no, you wouldn't. Just because Tick Tick tells you it doesn't mean you'd know it. You never talked to Sinric. How the fuck would you know anything about him? Like, so to me, I, I am so against metagaming because mo- majority of stuff you can get to the meat of it by role-playing. And that's what this game is about, is to role-play. You embody your character, and you learn that information by interacting with the world. Yeah. Neat. Um, so who do you guys think is responsible for finding like the right balance of like in-character and out-of-character um, interactions and communication? Is it the DM? Is it the players? Is it both working together? Oh, it's Probably everybody. the last one. Yeah. Yeah, it's everybody. Yeah, it's a group effort, dude. You could in a in a in a face to face campaign, you could totally metagame with your friends and the DM would never know. Like you could just talk to each other outside of game time and say, Oh, well, I'm gonna do this in the next encounter and oh I'm gonna do this and the DM would never know what's going on until they see you just totally dismantle their entire, you know, combat or whatever. Um, but it's also on the DM to be actively perceptive of what's going on. And if you see something that you don't want at the table, you need to tell your players, like, hey, 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 don't do that, please. I think it's a group effort. And I think it's part of the initial... Some tables allow that stuff. Like, if they're playing a more comedic game, 
and stuff like that. Like I've watched mm-hmm. some some D and D like streams and some D and D games where like people are super cool about meta meta chat at the table and stuff like that. And like if that's the game you're playing and that's what everyone signed up for, sweet. Like that's awesome. You should be allowed. Like do what you want. Like whatever playstyle suits you and makes you happy and it is enjoyed by the entire group, one hundred percent. But I think that that's something that you talk about. Like that was something I talked about at the very, very beginning with all of these guys. I said, I don't allow this stuff. Turns are quick. Know what you're going to do. Things are happening fast. I'm not just going to sit here on stream and wait three hours for you to decide because one person moved differently than you were expecting. And that wasn't what you initially agreed upon. Now you can't figure out your turn. You're just going to sit there for 10 minutes and, and flip through your spells to try and figure it out. Like I was very clear on what these guys I, what I would check them on and, and what I would be okay with. Um, and we all agreed on it as a group. I, I have nothing to add. To <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, which is good because we're uh, just about out of time. So like all things, it seems like it's a matter of expectations and communication. That's mm-hmm. all that D&D is. Um, cool. And it's 7 p.m. over here. So that means our show is over. Thank you for watching once again on this lovely Tuesday evening. Um, tune in again next week for more of this. Tune in on Friday for more of that. That being um, more for damage. Very exciting show. Um, tune in for more of this and more of that. And more of the stuff, you know, just it, the ethereal it. Um, yeah, stick around for links and resources. Thank you so much to um, Lady Bird and Lady Meows who did our theme music and logo. And have a great night. We're heading out. Thanks, guys. See you later. Bye. Bye. Oh, go to our store. <laughs>